Welcome to the Bob Harden Show, bringing you news and commentary to keep you informed and enjoying life on the Paradise Coast. And now, here's your host, Bob Harden. Good morning. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by the good folks at Johnson's Air Conditioning. Johnson's Air Conditioning is Naples' longest established air conditioning company. They do great work. And I hope you give them a call. You can visit the website, johnsonsairconditioning.com. We have terrific guests for today's show, including William Yateman. He is a research fellow at the Cato Institute. We're talking about the Supreme Court nominees in the process. It looks a little forbidding right now, but uh, we'll get William's input on that. We'll also visit with Andrew Jopp. He's a professor and also author of Josephus of Oz. We'll get an update on a number of things going on. And, you know, he was named Conservative of the Year by the uh, Southwest Florida Republicans Women Federation. Uh, and uh, talked to him a little bit about that, but also about uh, the <clears throat> replacement of Ginsburg and the progressive dream. And we'll visit with Sharon Kenny. She's the author of Where Should We Eat? She writes commentary on dining, entertainment, and travel. We'll look forward to get her input as well. It is September the 25th, and on this day in 1789, the first Congress of the United States approved 12 amendments to the U.S. Constitution and sent them to the states for ratification. The amendments, known as the Bill of Rights, were designed to protect the basic rights of U.S. citizens, guaranteeing the freedom of speech, press, assembly, the exercise of religion, the right to fair and legal procedure, and to bear arms, and those powers not delegated to the federal government will be reserved for the states and to the people. Uh, that was no light uh, effort on their part. Very important as we see, watch what's happening in today's world. Influenced by the English Bill of Rights of 1689, the Bill of Rights was also drawn from Virginia's Declaration of Rights, drafted by George Mason in 1776. Mason was a native of Virginian, was a lifelong champion of individual liberties, and in 1787 he attended the Constitutional Convention and criticized the final document for lacking constitutional protection of basic political rights. In the ratification process that followed, Mason and other critics agreed to approve the Constitution in exchange for the assurance that the amendments would be immediately adopted. So, so glad that he did that. <clears throat> In December of 1791, Virginia became the 10th of 14 states to approve 10 of the 12 amendments, giving us then the Bill of Rights and two-thirds majority of state ratification necessary to make it legal. Of the ten, two amendments not ratified, the first concerned the population system of representation, and while the second prohibited laws varying the payment of congressional members from taking effect until the election intervened. The first of these two amendments was never ratified, not too bad. It's what uh, the president right now is working for. And while the second was finally ratified more than 200 years later, it was ratified in 1992. So, again, the uh, Bill of Rights sent to the states on this day in 1789. Well, just an update on COVID-19 down here. Thursday, uh, there were 23 new cases of COVID-19 and three additional deaths attributed to with Somebody, people that died that had COVID-19 or were exposed to it. I'm not sure exactly what the standard is for that uh, decision, but irrespective. 44 Collier students and 19 employees have tested positive for the first day of, since the first day of school on August the 31st, according to the district's dashboard, as of 4 p.m. Wednesday. So that's interesting information. We'll watch and, and see how that develops. Again, we come back to the what kind of tests are they using we found out that in some cases, 90% of the tests that are proved positive, they're just too sensitive and they're picking up dead virus and uh, too low for its, uh, the bar is way too low uh, to pick up the real the uh, real actual coronavirus. So again, some, some issues with that. We're so fortunate to have a governor who's not fast and loose with our liberties. And here's an example of what can happen with more draconian measures can't believe this, on Wednesday, Alicia Kitts was arrested at her son's high school football game. She drove an hour and a half to uh, see the game. She wasn't wearing a mask. She was tased, cuffed, and arrested by the police officer during the game, just sitting outside, not around anybody, watching the game. She was sitting with who appeared to be her young children when she was approached by the police officer. After she put up a, a little bit of a Resistance, the officer tased her, cuffed her, and had her arrested. This was in Logan, Ohio. Can, can this really be America? Can that really happen? I guess it did. 
And now Florida Ashley attorney, Florida attorney General Ashley Moody reportedly sent a letter to the FBI and the Florida Department of Law Enforcement requesting a criminal investigation into the recent report that uh, failed Democrat presidential candidate Michael Bloomberg, he's a billionaire, of course, has raised more than $16 million to help convicted felons pay off their debts in an attempt to boost Democrat presidential nominee Joe Biden and the state. The letter said that Moody's office had reviewed Bloomberg's pledge and referred the matter to the Florida Department of Law Enforcement and the FBI for a criminal investigation. Moody's letter references uh, Florida's statute against paying for votes, referencing a Florida Department of uh, State finding that even an otherwise innocuous offering of incentives simply to vote can run afoul of the state election law. The Washington Post reported on Tuesday that Bloomberg and his team had raised the money to pay the court fines and fees of nearly 32,000 black and Hispanic uh, Florida voters with felony convictions, an effort aimed at boosting a turnout for the Democrat presidential candidate Joe Biden. The Post added that Bloomberg advisors identified the group as both likely to vote for Biden and for more uh, likely to vote than other groups of former felons. Don't know how they figured that out, but there's 32,000 of them. That's a big number. An advisor to Bloomberg told the Washington Post that one of the reasons that Bloomberg wanted to do this is because it immediately activates tens of thousands of voters who are predisposed to vote for Joe Biden. Representative Matt Gates, he's a representative in Florida, has appeared on several shows, Fox News, over the last 24 hours where he has called for an investigation to be opened in the matter. He said this is a specific inducement to a specific segment of voters to get them to vote a certain way. And I think it could be a crime, said Gates. I think he's absolutely right. Boy, they'll do anything, won't they? And I think what we're seeing right now is Joe Biden is back in the basement. He put a lid. I've learned now that means he's uh, not working with the press. Early in the morning yesterday, it's his ninth day off in this month. If you can believe that, he's running for president. I think he's thrown up his hands and said, you know, I don't don't think I can pull this off. So right now, I I think the... uh, Democrats are trying to line up things like uh, vote by mail, sending out ballots to all kinds of people, trying to create a situation where the, the election can be contested irrespective of the results. Just my opinion. Now, uh, here's an irony. Portland Parks and Recreation has denied a permit for a planned Proud Boys and Patriot pr- prayer rally in Delta Park on Saturday. In the statement, City Commissioner Amanda Fritz who oversees city parks, said the rally of right-wing groups would violate a social distancing guideline during the COVID-19 pandemic. The described event is not compliant with Oregon Health Authority guidelines about the number of people allowed in gatherings, she said in a statement, and cannot be conducted in a manner consistent with the physical distancing guidance from the public health officials. Now, she's saying this while they're having, what, their 105th day of rioting in Portland? And now they're denying a permit to meet peacefully uh, this group. Now they're expecting about 20,000 people. And I guess the number allowed is actually 50. But isn't there a certain degree of irony in that? In the meantime, Multnomah County District Attorney Mike Schmidt, it's the same place, dropped the most serious charges against Joseph Robert Seip, the alleged rioting uh, terrorist who threw a giant Molotov cocktail of police in Portland. Last night, charges of first-degree attempted murder, first-degree arson, first-degree attempted assault, and attempt to commit a Class A felony, which all fall under Class A and B felonies, were all dropped. Only the Class C felony charges of riot and unlawful possession of a destructive device remain uh, uh, on the books against uh, Mike, uh, this uh, Joseph Robert Snipe or Sipe. This is why uh, all this violence is going on in Minolta County in Portland. The reason is because the district attorney, I'm sure his election was funded by uh, George Soros, uh, he's, not, he's not enforcing the law. And so this just encourages people to break the law, doesn't it? Seems to me. And this is why we need more law and order. We can't have, I think somebody should investigate, quite frankly, uh, George Soros and his funding of district attorney races and other things that he's doing, uh, and probably probably uh, uh, Black Lives Matter and Antifa, that all should be investigated as well. 
President Trump put a vow in to protect pre-existing conditions on paper with an executive order Thursday announcing his America First health care plan in North Carolina. The historic action I'm taking today includes first-ever executive order to affirm it is the official policy of the United States government to protect patients with pre-existing conditions. So we're making that official, Trump said. Announcing his version of his health care as an administration fell short of repealing and replacing Obamacare in his first term. Our opponents, the Democrats, like to consistently talk about health care, Trump added. Now we have affirmed, this is affirmed, signed and done, so we can put that to rest. Not sure that's a, a legal executive order, certain to be uh, challenged. I think this really takes an act of Congress to pull this off. The other thing he did is this surprise charges that can appear on health care, on uh, hospital bills, when somebody that's not covered in your policy can actually come into the room and assist in whatever surgery or procedure is going on. They end up getting paid, and if the insurance company doesn't cover that person, if they're not a covered person, you end up paying the bill. So this uh, executive order by the president also reversed that as well, which is a good thing. But uh, we do need some health care reform, and we're going to be talking to Michael Cannon about that uh, next Wednesday or Thursday. This segment of the show brought to you by the good folks at Johnson's Air Conditioning, Naples' longest established air conditioning company. Visit johnsonsairconditioning.com. Coming up, we're going to visit with William Yateman, Research Fellow at the Cato Institute. That and more right here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. I'm Bob Harden, the host of the Bob Harden Show. One of my favorites for breakfast or lunch is Lulabee's Diner, providing great service, fabulous food, and a rockin' good time. Lulabee's Diner is a throwback to the 60s, complete with great music and a fabulous 60s decor. What I like best is a blend of great food, great value, and terrific service. Most of the friendly waitstaff has been part of Lulabee's for years. I enjoy the great choices for breakfast and lunch, and you'll find the menu has everything and anything to satisfy your taste. Lulabee's offers catering, party platters, lunch boxes, and more. Lulabee's Diner will quickly become one of your favorites for breakfast or lunch. No reservations are needed. Check out the website at lulabees.com and stop by Lulabee's Diner, open from 8 a.m. until 2 p.m., seven days a week. Lulabee's Diner in the Green Tree Shopping Center at the corner of Immokalee and Airport Pulling Roads. Stop by Lulabee's Diner for fabulous food and for a forever cool rockin' good time. Gulf Shore Playhouse, devoted to creating professional New York-style theater at its very best and at affordable prices, presents a fabulous new season of productions beginning in November with a world premiere of a one-man show written by and starring the talented associate artistic director of Gulf Shore Playhouse, Jeffrey Bender. Pinup Girls opens in January, singing a cavalcade of hits inspired by real letters from our troops overseas. Inspired by what they find funny, romantic, heartbreaking, and sexy, the ladies put on a show that celebrate the guys and gals who fight to defend our country. Bang Bang opens in March, written by legendary actor of Monty Python fame, John Cleese. You'll surely be wiping away tears of laughter with this one. William Shakespeare's A Midsummer Night's Dream opens in March. Meddling parents, impetuous young lovers, and cunning fairies collide in Shakespeare's enchanting classic. Another Revolution by Jacqueline Bircher opens in May. You won't want to miss this timely new work about finding hope in one another through the uncertainty of the world around us. What a terrific season of productions. Tickets for this great new season are available now. Tickets start at only $38. Tickets can be purchased by calling the box office at 866-811-4111 or visiting the website golfshoreplayhouse.org. We'll see you at the show. Welcome back to the Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by Gulf Shore Playhouse, bringing you professional New York-style theater at its very best, building a wonderful new performing arts center in downtown Naples. You can find out more by visiting golfshoreplayhouse.org. Coming up, we're going to visit with Professor Andrew Joppa. Right now we have with us William Yateman, as I mentioned before the break. He's a research fellow 
uh, especially in constitutional law with the Cato Institute. William, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much for having me on, Bob. Always a pleasure, William. And let's start off by uh, just talking a little bit about the Cato Institute. What's it all about? You bet. Um, we're a think tank here in Washington, D.C., and we're dedicated to advancing the ideals of a free society at every level of government. Cato.org. It's a terrific organization. Cato.org. So, uh, what? The news cycle is just so... The velocity is unbelievable. Since we last talked, uh, Justice Ginsburg has died. I mean, all, there's just a big furor about what's going to happen as a result of that. The president announced... He's going to make a, a nomination at 5 o'clock on Saturday. Wanted to get your input on this. What are your thoughts? Well, yeah, it's been an amazing week. Um, Justice Ginsburg, um, she passed um, last week, and, uh, you know, RIP. Um, and, and it has set off. It is roiled Washington, D.C. Yeah. It set off and sucked all the air out of the room or all the oxygen out of the room with the news cycle. Um, and indeed, as, as you said, President Trump is is announced that he's going to advance uh, a, a pick in uh, on Saturday at five. The the rumored um, the odds-on favorite, if you will, is is Judge Amy Corrett Barrett, um, out of the Seventh Circuit, uh, who was actually appointed to the Seventh Circuit by President Trump. Um, however, also a Floridian um, from from your parts, um, Barbara Lagoa, yeah. who actually had been on the Florida Supreme Court and is currently serving on the 11th Circuit Court of, uh, U.S. Circuit Court of Appeals. Um, so very strong candidates. I mean, you can't go wrong either way. Um, it, it'll be interesting to see how the politics play out. Um, Lindsey Graham, it was on Fox News two nights ago, I believe, but he's, he's the chairman of the Senate Judiciary Committee, which would handle the hearings and whatnot. And he promised he's going to send it to the floor, the Senate floor, for a vote before the election. Yeah. Um, now, Mitch McConnell ultimately has the call there, and he hasn't tipped his hand, but um, things uh, appear to be proceeding. So, the, of course, it just reminds us all of the Brett Kavanaugh hearings and the atrocious behavior of the uh, Democrat senators in that subcommittee, and uh, many of them are still there. Uh, that's an impediment. I think their behavior was so embarrassing, I just wonder if they'd want to do a repeat of that. But uh, how much power do they have to obstruct, to 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 delay the whole process. Well, with uh, McConnell appears to have fifty votes, um, and the Senate is a majoritarian institution, yeah. so the answer is not much. Um, I will say this with respect to their treatment uh, of, of Justice Kavanaugh, and I agree one hundred percent. It was that was abhorrent, um, but that was one of the rare instances in American politics where just desserts were delivered. Um, it was because of that terrible treatment of Kavanaugh that, one, um, evidently it galvanized Republican voters in the 2018 midterms, but, two, it made it a lot easier for many Republicans who, who had interpreted the Mitch McConnell's 2016 action um, blocking uh, even hearings on, on Merrick Garland, um, Obama's Supreme Court choice after Scalia died, um, it is, uh, it is given Republicans a viable, in my opinion, reason to sort of not go back on their word necessarily, because, again, the context is different. Back then, the, the, it, was addition, it was different parties in control of the White House All right. and the Senate, whereas that's not true now. But a uh, long story short, the terrible treatment of Kavanaugh didn't just bite them on the bottom in the 2018 election. It's also given the GOP a viable reason to proceed apace. I mean, the, the, they showed absolute bad faith <laughs> during the Democrats did during the Justice Kavanaugh hearing. Um, and it's sort of, uh, you know, you, you get what you get. Yeah. But, you know, I, I, I just wonder, uh, for example, if, if I were uh, McConnell, I'd probably say, let's just skip the hearings and go right to a vote. I mean, does he have the power to do that? McConnell, if all 50 or 53 um, GOP senators, or if there was, I guess, a ton, no, no, Pence couldn't weigh in that, but if he had all Republicans on board, yes. However, it, I would find it um, unlikely or highly likely that he would find some resistance from within his party if he were to order a committee around like that. So, right. I, And I think he would know that. So I don't think he would proceed like that out of um, comity for his 
uh, fellow GOP senators. Okay, so now a lot of threats packing the court uh, from uh, f- as one thing that they're saying. Once we get power, we're going to add more justices. You know, all this is about Roe v. Wade, I think, and uh, having influence uh, for the progressive movement in the uh, in the judicial branch, especially the Supreme Court. Another thing is, uh, you know, uh, more impeachment because I guess in the House you have to drop all business and proceed once impe- impeachment charges are filed, certainly would slow things down. But what are your thoughts on all this? Well, I mean, look, and those aren't the only institutional changes that, that are on the table. I mean, they introduced legislation yesterday that would limit a president to two Supreme Court choices um, during his tenure. Oh, I didn't know um, that. But, <laughs> pardon? I didn't know that. That's interesting. Okay. <laughs> the, the latest measure. But no, what you speak of is, look, could they attempt to do that? Yes. Um, however, there are repercussions. Um, it, it is, I guess it's a worthy history lesson that I'm sure your listeners are aware of, mm-hmm. um, that FDR, Franklin Roosevelt, engendered a, a huge political blowback when he attempted to pack the court, when he attempted to change the rules of the game mm-hmm. in order to get his way with the highest court in the land. So uh, I think just as the, when, the D's, when the Democrats went hard at Kavanaugh and exercised bad faith, it, it blew up in their faces. Um, I do think that they would be wary of taking any of these big steps just because I think the political blowback would be big. You know, I wonder, William, if uh, on a political level, and I know you're not a political commentator, you're more involved with policy, but uh, I just wonder if the Democrats haven't used all the arrows in their quiver. I mean, I think they're out of obstruction. <laughs> they're out of tools in order to, to obstruct the president. I couldn't agree more. And I would say in this instance, um, they didn't have many arrows in their quiver to begin with. I mean, the, the fact of the matter is that the filibuster has been taken off the table for Supreme Court nominees. Um, the Republicans have a majority in the Senate. There, there is a Republican in the White House. Um, pursuant to our constitutional system, that is a recipe for uh, <laughs> the president nominating someone and the Senate confirming them, if the GOP is all on the same page. So. Yeah. Um, this is, uh, uh, you know, I would say it's a good outcome, um, but it's an instance whereby the minority party doesn't really have many arrows or any arrows in its yeah, quiver. So interesting. Before I let you do a go, I do want to get your opinion about the president signing an executive order yesterday uh, on health care, basically for, for two things, saying that these are uh, surprise charges that occur in some uh, hospital charges in, in when people go in for operations. Somebody walks in the room, they participate in the... Uh, in the procedure, and they end up making a charge of an astounding amount of money, and it turns out the insurance doesn't cover it. president said, hey, I'm, I'm going to get rid of that by executive order. The other thing he said is he's going to make sure that all uh, you know, pre-existing conditions are covered under health. Can he do this? I don't think he could do it with the executive order, can he? Uh, so it's a point that we have uh, spoken about on numerous, numerous Fridays. Um, the sad fact of the matter is uh, he likely can, because Congress has given away so much of its lawmaking power to huh. the presidency and to these regulatory agencies. So constitutionally speaking, it is bizarre, um, but but alas, the thanks to, to all this power that, that Congress has given away over the last hundred years, um, it, it, it wouldn't shock me, even if on its face it, it seems plainly unconstitutional, yeah. that there is a legal means by which he is doing this. Unbelievable. I'm sure it's going to be subject to a challenge in the courts for sure, but uh, the bat- that entire process will take it way past the election. So in my personal opinion, I think the president is buying some cover with this movement uh, to get to the next term and hopefully with Republican Congress to get a new health care bill. Uh, you know, that would be uh, an instance. Look, oh, let me put it this way. I 100% support such uh, common-sense measures in terms of the president uh, uh, submitting bills to Congress. Whether or not this is some sort of calculus to get to that end, um, I guess that's the nature of politics. It is but Personally, I don't know. <laughs> okay. Well, sorry to put you in that position, William. Uh, Yateman, again, research fellow at the terrific organization, the Cato Institute, Cato.org, C-A-T-O.org. William, really appreciate your commentary here on the show. Thanks so much for joining us. 
Thank you so much for having me on, Bob. My pleasure, indeed. All right, coming up, we're going to visit with Andrew Joppa. Just received a terrific award, Conservative of the Year here in Southwest Florida by the, uh, the Con- Women's uh, Republican Federation. Uh, we're going to do that and more right here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Luke Provence Restaurant is a favorite dining destination for many Neapolitans, including Linda and myself. Blue Provence, located in a historic building in the heart of Old Naples at Creighton Cove, offers a mix of French bistro cooking with bold, fresh Floridian flavors. Experience award-winning cuisine at Blue Provence and enjoy one of Florida's most extensive, eclectic, and fun wine cellars. Dining your choice of the popular Eden Bar, the intimate Courtyard Garden, or the beautiful Provencal Caribbean Dining Room. Enjoy a wonderful and memorable evening in a casual and relaxed atmosphere that includes a taste of Provencal hospitality. Blue Provence is open seven days a week, all year round. Visit BlueProvenceNaples.com for reservations, everyday specials, and coming events. That's BlueProvenceNaples.com or call 261-8239. That's 261-8239. Blue Provence French Restaurant in the heart of Old Naples. Do you have an extra auto you'd like to donate to charity? Maximize your tax deduction, support your favorite charity, and help a local child in need by calling Naples Auto Donation Center. Naples Auto Donation Center is a not-for-profit licensed car dealer. Just call NADC at 692-9840 and they'll take it from there. You get a properly documented tax deduction for whatever the vehicle actually sells for. Your designated beneficiary charity gets half the profit after fix-up costs and the net revenue generated by NADC goes to Friends of Foster Children to provide tutoring and other enrichment activities for foster children the government doesn't provide. And NADC is also one of the few places in Collier County that sells inexpensive cars that actually run to folks who would otherwise not be able to afford one. It's a real win-win. Call Naples Auto Donation Center at 692-9840 or visit the website nadckids.com. You'll be glad you did. back to the Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by the Foundation for Government Accountability, creating policies and programs to get able-bodied folks off of welfare and back to work. It's a moral imperative, and I proudly serve on the board. I hope you check out the website, thefga.org. Coming up, we're going to be visiting with Sharon Kenny, the author of Where Should We Eat? Right now, we have with us Andrew Joppa. He's a professor. He's also author of Josephus of Oz. Andrew, thank you so much for joining us. Good morning, Bob. Good morning, Andrew. Hey, I'm just so... In- I was so delighted to be in the presence of your award. You got Conservative of the Year presented to you uh, on uh, Wednesday night, and it was a fantastic event. With I thought you gave a great speech. Congratulations. Well, I, I thank you for all that, Bob, and I thank you and Linda for, uh, for showing up that evening. Uh, I know you have a busy schedule, so it really meant a lot to have you there. Um, it was so reinforcing to me. I'm a fairly new uh, Naples community member, 15 years, but still, in, in terms of these things, uh, fairly new. And uh, it was so reinforcing to feel that uh, my writings and my public speaking might might have made a difference in this community. And so I I look at the plurality. I'm sorry, plurality that uh, President Trump pulled in the Collier and Lee counties in 2016, and I. I, I'm going to take, for this moment at least, some credit for having having done that. And I normally wouldn't do that, but I felt so reinforced on uh, on Wednesday night that I, I think the statement might have uh, have reality to it. Uh, I was surprised that at one thing, I somewhat surprised. I offered as a uh, a candidate for the Supreme Court, and I, I indicated that this was not possible, uh, but it would be my candidate if if it was possible, and that was Ted Cruz. And I was. Uh, somewhat surprised at the the general acceptance of that of that name uh, with the audience uh, that evening. So mm-hmm. to me, it it indicates that the real concern of of at least true conservatives is to get a uh, an originalist, a constitutionalist uh, into the court. Uh, it's not about women. It's not about uh, being politically correct. They want someone who will fulfill the Constitution. So. 
uh, their reaction to the name of Ted Cruz, I, I thought, did that. Um, yep. Of course, I do believe that it's going to be uh, Amy Coney Barrett. Um, uh, President Trump has not scheduled any meetings with uh, Barbara Lagoa, so uh, I'm, I'm going to presume at this point it will be Amy Barrett, and I have absolutely no problem with her candidacy. I think she's a, a, a fine jurist and will make a fine Supreme Court judge, Bob. You know, I, I think he, he, I, I heard that he was planning on meeting with uh, Barroa on, uh, on Friday, today, actually. Did you really? Okay. Where, where was that recently, Bob? Uh, I, I heard about that earlier in the week, and I, I don't know uh-huh. where I read it or heard about it, but uh, I don't know if that's going to happen. But I do agree. I mean, my favorite would also be uh, uh, Barrett as well. Well, the Barrett, uh, the Barrett uh, confirmation is going to be controversial, uh, that, or they're already doing that in terms of her, what they regard as her uh, super-Orthodox Catholicism. And I, I'm always amazed when someone's religious beliefs are, are uh, woven so uh, publicly into the challenge that no one challenged Ruth Bader Ginsburg in terms of her Judaism. And uh, certainly uh, this is a uniquely uh, Democrat type of, of approach to, uh, to conservatives, um, I do believe there will be some chance for the overturning of, of Roe Wade, um, and I'm not sure how I feel about that. The precedent, since uh, its origin is, is, is solid and in, ingrained in the American uh, culture at this point, uh, most people, unfortunately, on the left believe that if Roe Wade is overturned, that abortion becomes uh, illegal, and certainly it does not. It merely right. throws it back to where it should have been to start with in the hands of the state. Right. So, um, but I think that will be, during the confirmation hearings, that will be one of the major focuses that will uh, be used by the Democrats to uh, to challenge her candidacy. Now, well, I would agree with that, but uh, you know, I'd point out, too, that uh, Ruth Bader Ginsburg was not an opponent of abortion. Uh, based on her faith, you know, according to the Catholic Church, life begins in, its, in its inception, and the consequence of that is that this, I think this is, they realize that Democrats want to protect Roe v. Wade more than anything that I can tell, at least by their rhetoric and by their energy. So, uh, there's, there's, I'm sorry about that. Yeah, no, I just, I, I, I think that, I don't know how this is going to materialize, but I think there's going to be a lot of resistance to her as a candidate. No, no doubt. If we look at the Catholic Church, let's say we go back uh, uh, two or three hundred years, perhaps, but the Catholic Church always thought that life began at quickening, quickening being the moment that uh, life could be experienced by, by feel uh, in the womb. So um, certainly this is a more modern approach to, to deal with it at, at conception, uh, but the history of the Catholic Church has it at quickening, so uh, it's it's a controversial issue, and I, it's it's difficult to get into for a limited conversation. Uh, but I do think that will be the major focus in terms of the confirmation for uh, for, for for Barrett. Um, I have a feeling that, considering you know all gloves are off right now in terms of almost everything that's transpiring between the parties, I I, I would see uh, personally I would see no problem with just doing away with the confirmation hearings entirely. I I think to expose this woman to what she's going to have to go through during a confirmation process uh, is going to be unseemly, uh, and it will be just uh, a, a subset or a subversion of of what happened to Brett Kavanaugh in, in his confirmation process. Bob. Right. So, I mean, we already know that they have the votes. Uh, they've they got the uh, 53 senators. I think there's only one or two right now that may resist. And Murkowski has uh, softened her position. I believe Collins has, too. Certainly uh, Romney is on board to vote. So, and, of course, we have the tiebreaker for Pence if, if in fact, there's uh, only 49 senators that support it. So they've spoken out. They have the votes. So the question I have is, what do, how much trouble do the Democrats want to create for themselves just before the election? And I think any kind of behavior like the uh, Brett Kavanaugh hearings is going to really splash on them, not on the candidate. Yeah, I think one point of view is exactly that, Bob, that uh, to let the confirmation hearings go forward as compared to what I just offered before uh, would be something that would further expose the nature of, of the Democrat left. So uh, I have mixed feelings about that. I, uh, I regret having to have this, this uh, very decent woman, uh, great jurist, go through that process. On the other hand, just as you're indicating, Bob, it may further expose the, the degradation of the, of the political left. So um, I, I'm presuming at this point either, either position can be, can be justified. Absolutely. Can you believe, though, all the, the issues that are going on, things, violence in the streets, uh, confirmation of a judge, the uh, pandemic, quote-unquote. Andy, I have so many other things I want to talk to you about. Can you stick around? 
I will be here. Bob. All right, we're going to have more here on the Bob Harden Show on the uh, Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. You listen to The Bob Harden Show, so why not market your company to our loyal listeners? Ads are played live on each show and then archived so listeners can hear the show and your ad at their convenience. Each advertising package includes a banner on BobHarden.com with a link to your website at no extra charge. Join Lulabee's Diner, Johnson's Air Conditioning, Blue Provence, and many others who advertise on the show. Call me at 598-3889, that's 598-3889, or send an email to BobHarden at Hotmail.com to design an ad program that's just right for your business and your budget. You'll be pleasantly surprised at the cost and the value. Several advertisers have been with me for years. Find out why by calling 598-3889 or send me an email to bobharden at hotmail.com. You'll be glad you did. Did you know St. Matthew's House operates the only emergency homeless shelters in Collier County? St. Matthew's House provided more than 500,000 hot meals to those in need last year, and since 2010, 527 men and women have graduated from the St. Matthew's House Justin's Place Addiction Recovery Program. For over 30 years, St. Matthew's House has provided innovative solutions to fight homelessness, hunger, substance abuse, and poverty in Southwest Florida. And you can help St. Matthew's House in this life-transforming work by patronizing the St. Matthew's House Thrift Stores, Cafe M25, Car Wash and Detailing Center, and award-winning catering operations. For more information, visit stmatthewshouse.org. That's stmatthewshouse.org. St. Matthew's House is a 501c3 not-for-profit organization and does not solicit government funding. Welcome back to the Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. Hearing that uh, St. Matthew's House commercial reminds me of Lulubee's Diner when I meet Andy uh, for lunch or breakfast, I should say, because we meet for breakfast. That's where we go is Lulubee's Diner. They have great breakfasts and lunches, and uh, they're located right there in the Green Tree Shopping Center uh, in North Naples. So uh, visit Lulubee's Diner. Uh, and just mention the Bob Hard Show when you drop by. Uh, again, Andy, thank you so much for joining us. Good to be with you, Bob. And Lola Bees deserves everyone's support. That's a wonderful place, wonderful people, and wonderful food. Absolutely. So, uh, hey, you've got a, a little personal business that's concerning you right now. Well, I've got a, a close relative that's incarcerated in New York State at the Clinton Correctional Facility in Danamora. Now, having taught in Sing Sing for seven years, which was medium and maximum security in Austin, New York, I, I have a fairly good idea and feel for the, uh, the workings of, uh, of the uh, New York State uh, prison system. And I just have a, a, a few laments about this, this relative of mine. First place, he has hepatitis C, not being treated. Diagnosed back in March, still not being treated mm-hmm. for a disease that is potentially terminal. Found out that 120,000 prisoners nationwide that's uh, 97% of the prisoners nationwide with hepatitis C are not being treated for this, uh, for this again, potentially fatal disease. Oh. The only 3% that are treated are when they reach a point of a, of a terminal circumstance. So uh, the reason is it's funding. The, it costs uh, $90,000 with the old treatment. The new treatment would be about $20,000. So it's purely a, a financial issue at the state level. Uh, in terms of treating these people. But my brother is, is going through this. The fatigue level is enormous. Yeah, he already does not have an easy time walking or standing. Um, I just sent him in a pair of shoes from Amazon. And remember, this is a state that's releasing felons, that is not even um, uh, inviting felons at this point. And I send a pair of sneakers into my brother, who has a tough time walking from Amazon, and they refuse to give him the sneakers. Why? Because there's no receipt in the box. <laughs> so I, uh, you know, I, I know uh, I have no. I'm not soft on crime in any 
in any way. But there are some incidents that take place in the prison systems of, of this country, and particularly in New York, that are, are just unacceptable in terms of the uh, outcome you're hoping to achieve, which yeah. is to uh, minimize recidivism and put a person back into the population who, who will function as a, as a quality citizen. Yeah, just the irony of that and, and releasing prisoners, convicted felons, uh, because of coronavirus, just the irony there is just palpable. Well, I'm sorry for for uh, that result. It must be so frustrating for you, Andy. I do want to get back to the the issues at hand right now. Uh, the progressive dream. Maybe you could tell us a little bit about that. Well, the progressive dream is uh, an essay I wrote in terms of uh, a book by David Farris, which was uh, essentially uh, learning how to fight dirty, which uh, is directed at the Democrats. I, 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 of course, I didn't think they need much more learning about that issue. No. Uh, but it's the Farris book that really lays out the entire game plan for the for the Democrat left in terms of what is going to unfold. Uh, the, the, the prime focus of fighting dirty is the destruction of the Constitution. Uh, he, he describes the Constitution as a, as a milk carton of a founding document, uh, ingenious for its time, but deeply morally flawed. And so that his prime focus is the, the Constitution, and this mm. has been deeply accepted by the Democrat Party. So much of the destination is the destruction of the Constitution uh, or the minimization of its impact. Uh, it is from Farris's book, uh, Fighting Dirty, uh, and we've heard these alluded to, making Washington, D.C. and Puerto Rico states uh, to create more Democrat senators, splitting California into seven states for the same, for the same reason, packing the Supreme Court uh, with more justices. Uh, all of these are uh, from Farris's book, Fighting Dirty, and again, they have been widely accepted. Uh, these are the essential platform elements for the uh, for the leftist Democrats as they go forward at this point, Bob. Uh, I think you've described perfectly the agenda going forward. So, uh, by the way, Bloomberg has volunteered to pay uh, the fines and fees of felons so that they can vote. He selected a group of 16,000 he sees as likely Biden supporters, all black and uh, Hispanic. What are your thoughts? Well, I had done, uh, when that constitutional, Florida constitutional amendment was proposed, I did a lot of a statistical breakdown of the numbers and without going through the entire process. And I used low-end numbers. In other words, I didn't want to make this a larger number than reality would suggest. But the number that I came up with is the, the felon vote in Florida in 2020 would create another 125,000 Democrat votes. Mm-hmm. Not just votes, but Democrat votes. The plurality difference of 125,000. So Bloomberg um, offering to uh, to fund the uh, and I heard the number of 31,000 uh, in total uh, certainly would, would add to that. And uh, uh, right now, Bloomberg is being investigated by, uh, by uh, legal authorities in Florida in terms of his, uh, of his illegal action, perhaps, in having uh, paid people to vote. And we'll have to see how, how that plays out. Right. But beyond that, I'm, I'm more concerned with the implication of a, of a huge number. And if I'm right, 125,000. If we just took 2016, the 125,000 would almost entirely wipe out the plurality margin of uh, of President Trump in Florida. Yeah. If we add to that the actions that were uh, uh, initiated by Gillum after he lost the uh, the gubernatorial race to DeSantis uh, to actively use his campaign funds that still existed uh, to enter into a recruiting campaign for legal citizens now, this is not illegality, but legal citizens who were previously not registered. The number in Florida, Bob, was 2 million. So I, I have deep concerns about Florida in terms of of how it's going to play out in the election. Now, the most recent poll that I've seen, the one from Fox News now, has Trump leading in Florida among likely voters. So uh, I am optimistic based on that, but uh, the numbers that I've seen and the numbers that I've analyzed show that there is going to be a large number of of, of voters that were previously not registered that will show up at the polls on on November third. Yeah, my my observation is that it looks to me like uh, Sleepy Joe has just uh, thrown up his hands and said, "You know what? I probably can't pull this." Off. In fact, he actually said uh, he was greeted by a bunch of uh, Trump supporters who said, uh, "Trump's going to win. Trump's going to win." And he uh, he was overheard whispering, "You're probably right." 
So <laughs> I just wonder if, if, in fact, their whole agenda at this point is how do we how do we uh, contest the election? How do we make it difficult for Trump to win? I, I don't think they're wondering about that, Bob. I think they're preparing for a for a Trump win. They're laying uh, out the grain groundwork now to declare uh, his uh, his win to be illegal and, and fraudulent. Uh, there will be there will be riots and there will be uh, violence in the streets of America. There's absolutely no doubt about it in my mind. Uh, this would be the the end process of the uh, what they call the color revolution. The color revolution is a process initiated by the CIA to uh, to overthrow governments, primarily in Eastern Europe. Right now, that color revolution through the actions of Democrat strategist Norm Eisen is being directed at President Trump as if he's the third world tyrannical leader. And so the, the Trump win is going to create, and uh, I will predict this, Bob, it will create absolute panic and violence in this country that will be beyond anything we've ever seen before. So I'm seeing a very strong uh, attorney general. I think uh, William Barr is, really means business. I saw that he has a arrested now for the Department of Justice, 3,500, and, and accused many of them with federal fines, uh, captured all kinds of cocaine and uh, methamphetamine and all, you know, the money, all. And this is a practice as a result of this uh, this thing that started in July. I've forgotten now the, the young boy that was uh, shot in Kansas City. My point is this, that I think, uh, while I think there might be a plan on the left, I think there's certainly a plan on the right to protect Americans on a federal level, and to uh, make sure that any kind of insurrection is quelled. Well, Bob, I, I'd like to hope that that's the case. I, um, I, I am somewhat dubious, uh, but uh, mm -hmm. because of what I've seen uh, to date. Uh, and again, this if we looked at what happened in Louisville after the uh, Breonna Taylor uh, grand jury uh, findings, you know, the truck pulls up with all the materials for yep. a, a violent riot. And that was just a, an early example of what we're going to see on yep. November 4th, 5th, 6th, and, and beyond. Yep. Um, I do have a suggestion that I, I think would, would be meaningful. Uh, I would like to have the states, all the states, or at least the, the red states and the purple states, not release or even tabulate their in-person vote count until all of the mail-in votes and absentee ballots are counted. The reason for that in my mind in terms of why I would suggest that. Uh, I believe the Democrats will corrupt this election and they'll, they will wait for that in-person tally to be uh, revealed. That gives them the number to shoot for, Bob. Uh -huh. In other words, if, if Trump's plurality is 100,000, they know they have to create 100,001. Uh, but if they don't know that tally, it, it creates a much more demanding and difficult problem for, for the left. And yeah. in my mind, Bob, there is absolutely no doubt that the entire pressure for the, uh, the mail-in ballot has been uh, from the left because it's the most easily corrupted. We've already seen that in the primaries. Uh, so this is going to be a, a difficult situation. I hope you're right about Barr being uh, on, his, on his game and, and we'll uh, get in the way of this. It's but this is going to be nationwide. It's going to be in all the major cities, and it's going to be, uh, it's going to be horrific, Bob. And yeah. I, I'm not looking forward to it. Me either, Andy. Boy, these are scary times. Hey, I just genuinely appreciate your commentary here on the show, and I want to remind our listeners your book is Josephus of Oz. Off topic for today's discussion, but a terrific read, Josephus of Oz. Uh, Andy, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, Bob, and thank you for me allowing, allowing me the time to talk about my, my brother's incarceration. My, I appreciate it. Absolutely, Andy. Uh, an important issue. Uh, again, uh, the injustice or the lack of uh, parallel justice is uh, absurd. I, I just agree with Andy on that. Okay, coming up, we're going to visit with Sharon Kenny. She's the author of Where Should We Eat? We're going to do that and more right here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. <laughs> Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Do you or a family member suffer from chronic pain in your knees, hips, or shoulders? Joint pain can be a nagging and serious problem requiring expert and compassionate care. I know I'm Bob Harden, the host of The Bob Harden Show. Until 2006, I was suffering debilitating pain and deformity in my knees. I couldn't enjoy biking or golf or even sleep without chronic pain as a constant companion. Thanks to Dr. George Markovich and the professional staff at the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine, my pain is gone, and I'm back to doing the activities I enjoy with no pain. I have a lifestyle I can only imagine. 
imagine prior to knee surgery, and you can too. Call the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine. They will thoroughly evaluate your condition, provide personalized state-of-the-art treatment, and help you relieve your pain and get back to your active lifestyle. At the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine, your care will be professionally managed through every phase of your recovery. For an initial consultation, call the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine, located off Tamiami Trail in Bonita Springs at 482-5399. That's 482-5399. You listen to The Bob Harden Show, so why not market your company to our loyal listeners? Ads are played live on each show and then archived so listeners can hear the show and your ad at their convenience. Each advertising package includes a banner on BobHarden.com with a link to your website at no extra charge. Join Lulabee's Diner, Johnson's Air Conditioning, Blue Provence, and many others who advertise on the show. Call me at 598-3889, that's 598-3889, or send an email to BobHarden at Hotmail.com to design an ad program that's just right for your business and your budget. You'll be pleasantly surprised at the cost and the value. Several advertisers have been with me for years. Find out why by calling 598-3889 or send me an email to bobharden at hotmail.com. You'll be glad you did. Welcome back to the Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by the uh, Foundation for Government Accountability, creating policies and programs to get able-bodied folks off of welfare and back to work. It's a moral imperative, and I proudly serve on their board. I hope you check out the website, thefga.org. We have with us Sharon Kenny. Sharon is an author. Her The name of her book is Where Should We Eat? It's about great places to eat based on the occasion, casual, romantic, whatever it might be. She also writes commentary on travel, uh, dining, and entertainment. Sharon, thank you so much for joining us. Hey, good morning, Bob. Good morning, Sharon. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. I'm the closer tonight. Today. You, you are the closer. That's right. So thank you so much for being with us. So, Sharon, uh, I understand that there's a big anniversary coming up uh, for one of the great restaurants here in town. Well, it's hard to believe, but we have someone celebrating a 50th birthday, Ridgeway, Tony Ridgeway, whose restaurant Ridgeway has been uh, in one form or another going for 50 years starting, I guess it's October 5th or October 6th is his, birth, his, his birthday. He opened 50 years ago in that same spot um, wow. on uh, 3rd and 13th in Old Naples. And uh, old-timers would remember him as, uh, there was, I think, Truffles was his original name, then it was something Garden, um, but he's been going as Ridgeways, um, and then he has a coffee shop next door um, that has been going for the continually for the past 50 years, so Great shout out to Tony Ridgway, who is a wonderful community member as well. Yeah, always, always active in the community. Always, um, you know, front and center when the restaurants are being talked about. When uh, small businesses need help, Tony is there. Big shout out to Tony too. He was um, open one of the first restaurants open throughout the pandemic, and has continually been open. Huh. And um, you know, just. A great all-around guy. Yeah, and it's a great restaurant, too. And uh, I understand they have some specials going right now. Well, they always have. My favorite thing, and if you've never had it, you really have to, I urge you to try. Every, the last Friday of every month, Tony features Crispy Fish Friday. Hmm. And you don't have to be you don't have to be Catholic to go and have fish on Fridays. <laughs> but if you, uh, it's the best crispy fish, and it's not a deep-fried fish. It's a black grouper, usually, and um, uh, it is just an incredible preparation over vegetables that I wish he would put on his regular menu. I don't know why he doesn't put it on his regular menu, but he doesn't. It's only available on the last Friday of every month, and really recommend you go do it. And you also have to call in in advance because they make only a certain amount, so you have to call in and tell them you're going to have crispy fish. So that's today, isn't it? It is today. Yeah, what a timely recommendation. So, uh, uh, yeah, that's just so interesting. We have to give Ridgeway a call. Uh, Ridgeway. Yes, Ridgeway. Um, so shout out to a couple of other places that are also um, good old-time restaurants that if you've never been Great restaurant, Alice Sweetwaters. I don't think they've been around quite as long as Ridgeway, but Alice Sweetwaters on airport pulling uh, just south of Davis 
is um, has must be I'd say at least thirty years, uh-huh. probably approaching more like forty years. Much more casual, but a great. It's right across from uh, the call your government center, the courts there, and they get a lot of locals coming through, but very much like Ridgeways in that it's um, got a nice indoor space and a beautiful, fun, casual outdoor space, large outdoor space at Alice Sweetwaters. So big shout out to Alice Sweetwaters as well. If you've never been, an institution in Naples. Wonderful. Well, I, I think I've not been there, but I believe they actually they have music. Uh, Rick... Uh uh, Ricky uh, Howard, Ricky Howard is a great musician, great musician and singer here in town, and he plays, I believe, there on occasion. Yeah, I would say he probably plays. Uh, well, I'm not sure if he's inside or outside. There's a nice uh, stage area in both, but it, it's you know one of the places when I have people that are new to Naples. Mm-hmm. Um, that's one of my regular stops is Alice Sweetwaters and. Uh, They've got a, a really great wide-ranging menu, very much like Ridgeway, you know, nice. and just a real good Americana restaurant. Well, that's a great recommendation. We've never been there. We should give it a try. Uh, yeah, so speaking of big, long-time restaurants, we have, I was told the other day that Naples, the city of Naples, is coming up on its 100th birthday in 2023. So that's only, what, three, well, almost, not quite, I guess, three years away. Yeah. Um, but 100 years we're going to be celebrating here in the city of Naples. That must be the date that, that they were incorporated 100 years ago as a city. Because uh, yes. certainly, Naples has been around. I wonder if it, it was always called Naples before our, the, that 100-year uh, period probably was, but uh, they incorporated it. That you're basically saying about a hundred years ago, right. which is just yeah, they amazing. Started coming here from Kentucky in that end, boy, 1898 or 1895. The history or is so earlier, so interesting. I think, I think uh, the owner of the newspaper in uh, what state up there in the Midwest, and I believe it was Cincinnati, uh, built helped to uh, develop a, a train that came down to this Naples area. And that's the reason why I, I understand this could be apocryphal. I'm not sure, but this is the reason why many people come from the Midwest are, are located right down here in Naples. Yes, it was a lot of Kentucky people, especially. There were yeah. a lot of Kentucky families that uh, came down here for fishing, and there was a ferry that would take you to the Naples Pier. Isn't that interesting? So, uh, yeah, and the, I wonder what happened to the train. I wonder if it still exists. Yeah, wish that was still going. <laughs> yeah. Wouldn't that be nice? It's hey, another couple of big specials that I wanted to talk about that are just recent. I enjoyed yesterday a Grappino, um, which is one of the, uh, you know, Aieli restaurants, Aieli Group restaurants. They have on Thursdays every week pasta misto, three different pastas on one plate for $16. It wow. was tremendous. Wow. Let me just tell you. For those of us who can't just pick one. Yeah, what a great opportunity. I, have, I wasn't even aware of that. Uh, and that's another great restaurant. Have you been to Grappino's I've yet? not been to Grappino's. Oh, Bob, you, you and Linda have a lot of work to do. <laughs> you <have a> lot of, <laughs> there's so many great places. Also, Baba Bistro has reopened. Oh. Um, it was, uh, I think they had said in September, and they're on. They're, Baba Bistro, a great Persian uh, restaurant is now open, back open on Fifth Avenue, which um, I can't think of any spaces that have not reopened on Fifth Avenue right now. So that's that's good news. It's all good news. Uh, Michael Mir is owner of Bop Bop Bistro and uh, great Persian food. Just so it just explodes with taste. Just love that place. We haven't been there in a long time either. <laughs> <laughs> hey, and while I'm doing shout-outs, I wanted to, uh, another great, this is a completely different kind of a place, but Nothing Bunt Cakes. Uh, Karen Vasquez, the woman who used to run Cakes by Karen, which was an incredible uh, cake uh, uh, baker for wedding cakes and special occasion cakes, started the franchise Nothing Bunt Cakes. And uh, with a very similar recipe, she had a Puerto Rican rum cake recipe, which was tremendous. Mm. But the Nothing Bunt cakes, very similar, moist, very flavorful cakes. Pine Ridge and Goodlet, she has her store there. Wonderful cakes. Um, you can get them of various sizes and a lot of different flavors. But if you are looking for a really great uh, gift for somebody or you've got a party coming up, something different for an unusual dessert, nothing bunt cakes. All, all right. bunt cakes. Sharon Kenny, again, the author of Where Should We Eat, just genuinely appreciate your commentary here on the show. Thank you so much for uh, closing and joining us. <laughs> 
great to talk to you, Bob. You as well, Sharon. Well, that's a wrap here in today's show. I hope you enjoyed it. I certainly did. Uh, if you uh, have some comments or you'd like to receive the newsletter I put out after every show, you can send me an email at bobharden at hotmail.com, bobharden at hotmail.com. Uh, join us Monday. We're going to have uh, Mark Schulman, the founder and publisher of HistoryCentral.com, will be joining us talking about current global events. A visit with Larry Reed, the president emeritus of the Foundation for Economic Education, and Jim McTagg, former Barron's Washington Bureau chief and author of uh, several books. I hope you make it a great day or weekend on the Paradise Coast or wherever you are. Namaste. <laughs>